Welcome to the Your Life Rocks podcast, where we believe life balance is possible. Yes, even for you. This show is designed to help working moms focus on the things that matter most in life and helping you balance all that life has for you with practical tips from one working mom to another. My name is Jenny Stemmerman, and I am so glad that you are here to hang out with me today. Today, we are talking about something that I will admit was kind of hard for me to talk about and to bring on the show, and because it's not something I am very experienced in. Now, we talk a lot about money on this show because that is one of our eight pillars of balance when we talk about all of the things in our life that make up our life that we should be spending some time and attention to. Money is certainly one of those things. And so we talk about that often, but it's usually coming from the angle of budgeting or about how to work with money and your spouse and, you know, things like that. But today, today we're talking about investing and investments. And this, like I said, was a bit over my head, but our guest made it so easy for me to understand. I am excited for you to hear from her because I know that she is going to motivate you and inspire you on how you can really be the best steward of all of the things that God has given you. Now, if this is your first time finding the show, I want to welcome you. I'm so glad that you are here. This is the place for working moms. I myself am a working mom. And I have built a career for myself that I am passionate about and I love. Now, in addition to that, I have a couple family businesses on the side and do this podcast because I truly believe in empowering other working moms to create more balance in their life and to have something that focuses just on them. I mean, hello, as a working mom, we can attend Bible study in the middle of the week or go to mom and baby groups or whatever it is. And so sometimes we can feel a little left out. And when we start to look at things like our career or even today talking about investing, so oftentimes it comes from a man's voice and there's nothing wrong with that. But as women, sometimes we need to hear from another woman and we want to hear what they have to say. So I'm so glad that you found the show. Now, if you're a returning listener, I'm so excited that you decided to come on back. If you haven't yet hit subscribe, make sure that you do. And it would mean the world to me if you would take a screenshot of your phone as you're listening to the episode and post it on social media. You can tag me. I love hanging out on Instagram or in our Facebook group. You can tag us on Instagram at your.life.rocks. I love, 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 love seeing your comments and how the episodes are impacting you. So that would mean the world to me if you would do that. Now, today, we are so honored to get to learn from modern Susie herself, Susan Tench. Now, Susan has a degree in marketing, but has been in financing for the past five years, working for a brokerage firm most of that time. After she had her baby and due to the inflexible nature of the financial industry, she made a painstaking decision to leave a job and she did not want to. But stepping away from her corporate desk opened up her eyes to the true money gap that existed in our society. And knowing she had the knowledge and the tools to educate women, she was inspired to start her own resource for educating women about investments and finance. And that is how the modern Susie was made. She runs a blog over at modernsusie.com. In addition to that, she's part of a Women Rock Money Movement, a financial copywriter. She's been collaborating with other women to spread the message far and wide since starting her blog in late 2017. I'm so excited for you guys to get to learn from her just the way that I did. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. Susan, welcome to Your Life Rocks. I am so excited to have you on the show with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be part of the crowd here. 
Well, this is going to be such a great conversation. I have been excited to talk to you all day long, really all week long, because this is the very first time we've ever had anyone on talking about investing. And I know nothing about this topic, like really, really nothing. So I know you're going to have a lot of really great wisdom for all of us. But before we get into all of that, share with us a little bit more about who you are. Oh, sure. Thank you. Well, um, like you said, my name is Susan. I'm a financial writer and blogger for Modern Susie. But I had previously to kind of going out on my own, I spent five years working for a large financial firm where I kind of got to know all of this stuff. But honestly, before that point, I was just like you. I really didn't know a stock from a bond. I had no clue about you know all the ins and outs of the financial industry. And I learned it on the job through, you know, just kind of like watching everybody in action because it's kind of a crazy industry. And as I did that and progressed through kind of my tenure at the firm, I ended up with a couple different licenses and also ultimately had my insurance license. So I kind of feel like I owe it to all the other women and pay it forward about just how much we don't know about the industry. But honestly, how easy it is to start understanding. Because I think that's kind of the secret there is that it's not difficult and it's not complicated. It's actually kind of a lot of fun. So I'm excited to talk to everybody about it today. That is awesome because it does seem very like complex and like you leave it to the experts kind of stuff. So I, I love that you say it's simple because you're going to have to convince me on this. Now you're also a mom, right? I am a mom. Yes, I have a one and a half year old daughter. So she was also kind of the genesis for starting to leave the industry because it's not a very flexible industry. Yeah, I can imagine. I can definitely imagine working in corporate myself. Like there are, there are yeah. days where it's just really, really hard. And I think all of our audience can totally relate to that as well oh, too. Yeah. So yeah. now with balancing everything that is that you're doing and a little one in tow and, and educating women and doing all of the amazing stuff that you do, talk to me a little bit about balance because this show is all about life balance and we really believe that life balance is possible, but it's definitely different for everybody. So what does balance look like for you? Yes. Oh, I mean, well, with a one and a half year old, it's constantly changing, honestly. You know, she's down to one nap a day. So that's basically when I work is during her nap time. And, you know, to your point about balance is especially being, you know, a mom and a woman is some days, you know, I just feel different emotionally and it's really hard to be doing this stuff on your own. So for me, kind of finding balance is finding other people that are in this space. And it's been a lot of like networking because that helps me balance out some of those like quieter times or times when I'm feeling a little more alone, you know, is like reaching out with a coffee chat to like, you know, another mom or another entrepreneur who is, you know, kind of having the same battle. So I love my time in corporate. To me, the balance is continuing to feel like I'm contributing to, you know, to society. That's kind of where my balance needs to come in is balancing motherhood with balancing, you know, having a career, especially in an industry that I love, which is finance. And it's been interesting and really eye-opening. And I'm really glad that I have stepped away to kind of, you know, connect with these other women who are doing the same thing. That's awesome. And one of the things that really stood out to me of what you were sharing when you were talking about balance is almost like a internal standpoint. So I think sometimes we look at balance as so external as far as balancing the things and balancing the calendar and Mm -hmm. energy and the tasks and the to-do list and all of those things. But 
you really spoke to about it being the balance in you, right? And that balance of being contributing and being around people and then being with yourself and kind of that balance too, that I think sometimes we don't always look at or think about when we're thinking about balance because it is so easy to think about balance in the to-dos, but really that balance of the internal is, which is so important as the compass. Yeah. Honestly, that's been the biggest shock to me from leaving is meeting the balance in my own head, you know, of Mm. like you said, career and being a mom is where is the balance there? But yeah, I just kind of let the to-do list go and the calendar manages itself a little bit with a little one. We don't have practices. So I have it maybe a little easier than you do having, you know, <laughs> older like, kids. Treasure those times. Yeah. <laughs> As tomorrow, I'm trying to figure out dinner and soccer practice at the same time. So. Yes. Yeah. I'll be there someday. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. And it all goes by so fast. So just cuddle. Every single time she wants to cuddle, just cuddle. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, that is such a great transition into everything that we're going to be talking about with you because it really is something that I think, you know, just like we talk about like kids and the timeliness of kids and really making sure that we're being intentional with them. I think, you know, time slips by really fast for us too. And that's where I feel like investing is so important. I mean, I'm almost 40 and I know nothing really about investing. I do have a 401k, but beyond that, I know that there's probably a lot more that I need to do. And if I really think about it, it gets scary. So, you know, faith is only so much. I know I need to take some action. So I'm really excited for you to talk to us a little bit more about investing. So before we get into the three tips that you have for us, which I'm super excited to dive into, but first just talk to us a little bit about investing and kind of your philosophy with what that looks like for people. Sure. So like you said, you know, I talk about investing. We're not focusing on budgeting or debt reduction strategies at this point that you can invest alongside of all of that. You know, if you have a handle on whatever, you know, your student loans or whatever it is that you feel like maybe kind of like a hurdle to overcome before you start investing. Mm-hmm. But really, especially for women, I mean, the best time to start investing is 10 years ago. You know, the second best time is right now. And, you know, my perspective is that hopefully you are able to live on, you know, about 70% max of your take-home income. So there's an additional 30% every month that you could be using for whatever beyond just getting by. Hopefully about 20% of that would be set aside for investing. And this is, like I said, your take home. So it's, you've already contributed to your 401k. If you work for, you know, a company that offers that you've already, you know, paid all of the taxes that you're going to be paying on the income. You've already set aside money for your HSA. If you contribute to that. And then, you know, if you're investing maybe 20% of it, then the other 10% is for you know, tithing to your church, for donating, for saving for college tuition, for vacations, for kind of a little bit of the extra stuff. And notice I said, college tuition is extra stuff. Mm. That should probably not be, if you're prioritizing, you know, where you're going to be investing, college tuition probably shouldn't come before your own retirement or your own kind of like long-term planning. That's usually, a big statement right there. Usually, I think some of us are like, what? <laughs> and it's great. You know, I have a 529 for my daughter. I do contribute to it. It shouldn't be maybe your primary focus because 
you can take out a loan, your kid can take out a loan, they can get a job for college, but you really can't take out a loan for your retirement. Hmm. It doesn't work like that. So that's that's why I think, you know, women and parents should be prioritizing themselves maybe a little bit more when it comes to investing and choosing what type of accounts, you know, to start with if they're just getting into investing. This is so good. And you know, it's great because these are already some tips and we haven't even gotten into the tips, <laughs> which is so great. But you know, even though we're not talking about budgeting, even just that idea, and I'm very analytical. So maybe this is why it's speaking to me so much, but even the idea of like 70% of my income. So even while I'm budgeting, I should be looking at where I'm spending my money and not living on 100% or even 90% of what I'm taking home, but really 70%, or if I could do even less, then that's even better, right? To be able sure. to. I mean, it's where you're more. comfortable. If you really enjoy certain things in life, absolutely. You know, do those things, pay for those things. If you're consistently overspending each month, that, you know, that's where you need to talk with somebody who maybe has a strategy for creating a budget that you can follow that speaks to you. Quite honestly, I use a post-it note for my budget. I don't use fancy software. It doesn't come down to, you know, a tracker on my phone. Like I write it down on paper. Mm, That's good. That's amazing because I think sometimes we do overcomplicate things. And I think that that is maybe why investing is very intimidating to me. So before we get into your first tip, Talk to me a little bit about what investing is. So when we're talking about investments in an investment portfolio, are we talking, I know you said stocks and bonds earlier. Are we talking about other investments as well or primarily stock market? I would say primarily the stock market that encompasses quite a lot in the range of investments that the typical person would have access to. I mean, you know, anything that's an investment is something that has risk. But essentially, you have the risk of it increasing in value, like your home is an investment where you anticipate it will increase in value, but there's a risk that it doesn't, you know, lots of things could happen. It could burn to the ground, you know, there could be some catastrophe in your city and then all the property values fall. But generally, we view real estate as an investment, you know, and there's risk there. You're paying a lot of money for something you're anticipating it will appreciate and you'll sell it for more than you paid. But you know that might not be the case. We all experienced that. Mm. You know, 2008 happened. So yes, it did. (laughs) Right. It did. And, you know, I think that that's really just the way that you plainly explain that, that investment is a risk because there's so many things, you know, like I had a friend who was talking a lot about Bitcoin and another friend that was talking about something else. And that's where I think it feels so overwhelming because there's so many different options out there. When I start thinking about investments, it's like, well, gosh, do I do it in the stock market? Do I do it in real estate? Do I try to learn like this new internet money thing that doesn't make any sense to me and feels like a scam? I don't even I would, know. Yes. I would not put any value on cryptocurrency or Bitcoin. It's so confusing. But this is kind of, I think, feeds nicely into your first point that you have for us and our first tip for us really is really understanding that risk factor because obviously there's going to be different amounts of risk for all of these different types of investments. So talk to us a little bit about how we can figure out what's best for us. Yes. Okay. That's a, no, that's a great lead in because I mean, one of the first things that will happen if you sit down with a financial advisor or if you go online to an online, you know, investing platform like Charles Schwab, you know, 
they'll take you through a whole process to kind of discover what your goals are, you know, how much money you have to invest, you know, what you need at the end or the outcome, you know, if it's your saving for retirement or something. But one of the biggest factors is what is your personal risk tolerance for investing? Because really, when you're talking to a financial advisor, I always joked that you don't need to be that great at finance or numbers, but you need to understand human psychology to be a good financial advisor because people are very emotional around their money. You know, they want to protect it, obviously. And when you see the market making all these jumps, like we've been seeing, if you have been paying attention to the headlines, people get kind of squirrely and they think they should be you know, maybe taking like a knee jerk reaction and pulling all their money out of the market. So you need to understand your personal risk tolerance for how much volatility you can handle. So volatility are those big, you know, ups and downs within the stock market when you see them talking about the S&P 500 that, you know, the Dow is down or whatever they're saying on, you know, your local news, or if you watch CNBC, that is what volatility really is. It's how much the market jumps around. So if you have kind of one of those personalities where you pay a lot of attention to the headlines and you have problems kind of just like sitting and remembering the strategy behind it, you might have a problem if you have a very high risk portfolio of investments because it will change in value quite frequently and potentially quite a lot have to know your own personality. Yeah. So when we're talking about risk tolerance, it's almost because when I was first thinking about risk tolerance, I was thinking about like, how much can you afford to lose the money if it's, you know, really (laughs) risky, but really it's like, what's your risk tolerance? Like how much can you handle emotionally seeing your money like ebb and flow, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely part of the equation to what you said. Yes. Your risk tolerance is how quickly do you need the money? If we're talking about retirement, you know, and you're in your 20s, you can handle a lot more risk than somebody who is 60 and saving for retirement. And that's kind of, if we're talking about that spectrum of how quickly do you need it and how safe or how conservative do you need your investments to be, something like if you are in your 401k and you see all the different options for like the funds that are invested, a lot of those funds will be target dating your retirement date and they become more conservative or less risky over time. That's the real part of the continuum of most risky is when you're younger and more conservative is when you're older and needing the money because you want to make sure, like I said, it's essentially safer once you have a more conservative risk profile. But I do really think that your personality, our personalities as women, we need to know what our risk tolerance is and kind of manage that a little bit. Because mm. if you're checking your investments every day, which you don't need to be, but you know, you might have more problems if you have risky investments or things that change in value quite a bit. Now, so this is a question I'm not sure you can answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway, sure. <laughs> just because it's coming up. Because you know, when we think about all of the different emotions that go along with money, I know my money mindset, my emotions that I attach to money is very different than my husband. 
Mm-hmm. Yet we are in this together, right? Like we're going to retire together someday. So we both have to make this work. So what if one spouse, their risk tolerance is very different than the other one? Do you have any advice around that? Or is it just kind of like a, just pray? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's a great point to involve a third party, like a financial advisor. And I would say a certified financial planner is what you would want to be looking for at this day and age. That a certified financial planner or somebody who has gone through essentially a master's in financial planning, and they'll be able to help you both kind of, you know, they'll act as your therapist a little bit of like, here's the middle ground. If this is your goal, you know, if your goal is having $100,000 in 30 years, then this is how much risk you need to be able to take on if we want, you know, 5% return or 7% return over time to get you to that goal. So they'll help you work backwards from your goal and how much you need to pay for that goal to how much you have now and essentially how much risk you need to take on to get there. So they'll help you manage that. But like my husband and I, we have separate accounts. Oh. At this point, like we're still young, but yeah, we both had separate accounts and we've continued that. So I take on my own amount of risk and he takes on his amount of risk and we have some play money, you know, to do whatever we want with. But I guess, you know, that does kind of make sense though. Like if your risk tolerance are very, very different and it is, you know, I mean, we're talking, like you said, this is like after all the bills are paid. This is, you know, after taxes, after money's gone to the 401k, after you've done your HSA, like after all of that important stuff. So, you know, maybe it is a good idea to let you both just kind of quote unquote play with it or invest in the way that you best see fit to do it. You know, I think it depends on the couple. Mm -hmm. Like I said, especially if people are getting married older and they've already established an account, that's, you know, they're essentially their money or they have it invested in specific. I like to invest in specific types of industries and I'll touch on this later. And so it's just kind of been that way. We've talked about combining things now, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, more by, by and large, it's been separate. Interesting. I guess, oh, so that's really going to be like, it depends on the couple. It depends on the couple. But if you are kind of at odds, if somebody's more conservative and somebody's more risky, I would de- definitely recommend to talk to a financial planner who will guide you to, like I said, what are your goals? How much money do you have now? And How much money do you need to make to get there? And then they'll share with you essentially how much risk you really need to take on to get there. And then you can, you know, continue the conversation from there. This is really good information. This is really great because it's not anything I've ever really even thought that much about before. I mean, to be completely honest, I think one time, once (laughs) I looked at what my 401k included, like what what they were actually investing in. And I don't even remember what it was, but I never even looked again. Yeah. I don't even know if I would know how to figure that out (laughs) if I wanted to look at it one more time. Truly, that is half the battle is remembering like your login information and going back to wherever you were to find it. So true. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. So we talked about kind of that risk assessment and kind of figuring out now if someone wants to figure out like what their risk tolerance is, I mean, is it like a scale? Is there like a test you take? Is there like a quit? Like what's that look like to kind of figure that out? So most investment companies before you open an account, they will ask you questions and it will basically say how risk averse or how conservative are you? 
And if you say you are fairly high risk or aggressive with your investments, that's another key term, like aggressive versus conservative. If you're aggressive, that means you would be qualified to have things like, you know, just stocks in your account since those are very volatile. If you're a very conservative person, it might be, you know, you're looking at bonds. But there, I provided you, I think, a link. It's the University of Missouri has an independent little questionnaire. It's about, I think, 15 questions about your risk tolerance. Going through something like that will help you understand, you know, what a portfolio that has high risk investments versus low risk investments essentially means. The way they ask their questions is very more interpretive than like a financial company may ask it. They may be more blunt of, are you high risk or are you low risk with your investing? Hey guys, if you've been listening for a while, then you've probably heard me talk a lot about our Life Balance membership. And we have some changes coming up and I wanted to let you know. In just a few short months, we will be launching our first ever Life Balance app and it is going to be amazing. But I don't want you to wait until then to start creating more balance in your life. So there's two things you can do. Number one, you can go and you can download our free course called Weekly Success Planning. It is a course that will guide you through how you can set goals to create more balance in your life and then take those goals and make the very best, most awesome Sunday prep day ever to make sure that you are living intentionally throughout the week to reach those goals and to create more balance in your life. Now, if you're really serious about wanting to create more balance, I invite you to join Life Balance Membership. Did you know that you can have a free seven-day run through the membership? You can see the courses available, the worksheets, the resources from amazing experts who have been guests on this podcast as they are sharing extra bonus tips for you in all areas of life for real. And it's less than $10 a month. So you can go to lifebalancemembership.com to start your free seven-day trial, or you can go to weeklysuccessplanning.com and get that free course. Now, if you can't remember any of those, hopefully you can remember this. Go to yourliferocks.com and you can find everything you'll ever need. (laughs) I promise in one place. All right, let's get back to the interview. That's really great. So we'll make sure we link to that in the show notes page. And then I'll also send the link over to our Facebook group. So if you're listening to this and you're not yet in our Facebook group, you can go to yourliferocks.com, click on the community tab, and it will take you right there. So, and since you're there, you can also go to the show notes page if you wanted to as well. So thank you so much for providing that for us. So now that we, once we've figured out kind of like that risk tolerance, then what's the next thing for us to be looking at? So what I hear a lot of women claim or what is maybe generally believed is that, you know, women don't like investing because they think finance is boring. I don't personally believe that. I don't personally believe money is boring to women. That's not the truth. I think maybe that's a little bit of a cover up for it's intimidating. Yes. But we don't want to say that it's intimidating. I also think that since a lot of like, financial advisors are typically male. Mm -hmm. It's easy to feel intimidated or feel like you can't speak up if you're in a meeting with a financial advisor because you don't want to ask, you know, a silly question or something that's very basic. But the general terminology that's used in financial planning is really complicated. It's not everyday language. So I would say if you have you know, the mindset that money is boring or investing is boring, learn your risk tolerance. And then from there, 
pick something within that risk tolerance that you can learn about, a type of investment. So for example, if you are on the younger end of the spectrum and you have a high risk tolerance, you know, go learn about high risk stocks. Learn what that means. It's really, really quite simple. All you have to do is just a, you know, a Google search about high risk stocks and you'll get all sorts of, you know, articles or topics about what makes a high risk stock, you know, high risk, high reward or different types of, you know, ways to kind of look at market capitalization or trends to be looking at that type of thing. I'm not saying to, you know, pick those individually, but just learn about whatever it is that you have identified as that's the type of investment I want to make. If you're a conservative person, then, you know, look up conservative investments like bonds. I would say if you have to start somewhere, start with the thing that you might be purchasing, right? Like a car. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a truck, you're probably not going to do research on Corvettes. So, you know, let's stay in the lane of the type of investment that you might be making. That would be my recommendation to people who say that either it's boring or that they don't know where to start. You know, I just say, start where you are. And if you found out where you are with your risk tolerance, you know, then start there. That would be my suggestion. That is really great advice because I think that you're spot on. I don't think it's boring. I don't think that that's, you know, necessarily the term. I think intimidating is exactly spot on right there because it is intimidating and it's intimidating to talk to someone because I know they're going to ask me questions that I don't necessarily know the answers to and they're going to speak in a language that I don't exactly understand. And let's face it, who wants to go into that kind of a situation, especially when it's something that's so emotionally tied up like money? And I know for me, like I can feel really guilty because I don't know that much about investing as much as I feel like I should, or I haven't invested as much as I should. I mean, I remember sitting in a seminar when I was in my early 20s, you know, getting my first like real corporate job. And they were talking to us about the importance of investing early. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they were really trying to equip us with all of this knowledge. And yet I didn't do anything with it. And so I feel like a little bit of guilt and a little bit of intimidation. Like there's so much emotion around going into this whole world. And plus there's just kind of a stereotype, you know, of, of what a financial planner is. And, you know, you think about like the wall street movies and Oh yeah. Like <laughs> those are awful. <laughs> yeah. And there's that like a little bit of a spiritual mindset to that too. Like, you know, I, whenever I think about investing, I always think like, am I storing up my treasures in heaven or am I storing them up on earth? And I know it's totally different and it's not even the thing, but it's all of those different components I think that go into it that just overwhelm me and make me want to back away. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the guilt part of it because that is so easy to fall into the trap of, well, I didn't start early. So now I've made a mistake and you go down that rabbit hole. It's like, you know, not working out. I mean, it's never too late to start again or start today. And that doesn't, you know, for investing, that doesn't have to mean going out and, you know, doing the whole financial plan. It just means starting where you are. And that's, you know, if we're comparing it to working out, it's the five minute walk around the block. So it's maybe just going through your risk assessment saving it, coming back to it tomorrow and saying, okay, you know, I agree with this again today. And, you know, maybe I'm going to look up whatever, a type of investment and learn more about that. Or I'm going to look up a specific, you know, financial firm that's online and, you know, maybe figure out what it takes to start an account with them. I just think you have to start really slow 
and totally get rid of the guilt and understand that there are really, there are no dumb questions when it comes to investing because even the experts don't agree on a lot of the topics or a lot of the strategies, especially now because things have really changed and volatility is the the new normal. Things within the marketplace and our economy, I don't really think they're ever going to go back to what they were and what we thought they were at one point in time. You know, what was considered average or normal is just not normal anymore. Mm. I think that that's an important thing to kind of wrap our heads around too. And as you were talking about it, I was just thinking how much of it is a mindset and almost a shift that like, I need to even shift my own mindset to start telling myself, like, I can do this. It is something Mm -hmm. I can master. I'm a smart woman. I can figure this out. And, you know, just for an example, like real basic example, but you know, like on your, like when you're setting up your cell phone and it has like where you can pick the different news articles that the widget shows you. And I never, ever like click on like the investment or business news or anything like that, because I'm like, (laughs) I don't need like so over my head, but I need to like maybe add that in there and be like, you know what? No, I do need to expose myself to that kind of stuff because I am capable. I am smart enough and it's important. So Absolutely. Yeah. That mindset. And, you know, I think that this ties nicely into your last tip that you have for us in doing this is really aligning your values with the way that you're investing, because that's where some of the guilt comes from too, is it's like, well, how much time and energy do I want to put into quote unquote money? You know, when there's so many other important things that I need to be putting my time into and my energy into, but really it aligns with your values. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yes. And I mentioned before, this is a way that I personally invest. And um, there are a couple ways to call it. So within you know your investment selections, you can have what's called sometimes ESG, which stands for Environmental, Sustainable, and Governmentally Responsible Companies. It could be called Socially Responsible Investing. Some people may call it along the lines of Impact Investing. It's really gained a lot of popularity in the past, you know, I'll say probably five to 10 years. Initially, when people like, I'll say Christians, you know, wanted to not maybe invest in things like tobacco companies or gun companies, Mm -hmm. there was a way like a mutual fund maybe would filter out those type of companies and wouldn't include them in the mutual fund or the types of, you know, stocks that they would be buying within the fund. But it's really come a long way. And now there are lots of ways to filter, you know, against companies that, you know, don't practice like good employee safety, like a car manufacturer, maybe that doesn't, you know, have a lot of safety checks for their employees. They have a lot of accidents. You know, the fund may not invest in that type of company. They can pull out of entire countries that don't have, you know, good governments in place. They'll be able to filter for things like, you know, companies that have women on their boards because it's, you know, women bring a different kind of like lens to a corporation. And when they're on the board, the company tends to perform better. So there are lots of ways you can have a socially responsible investment portfolio. So if that has been something that's keeping you out of the marketplace, it's because especially, you know, now we have such a political landscape when it does come to corporations there are ways you can navigate around it or you can invest in something you really believe in. Elvest is an online company that has an impact portfolio that is about women in leadership. 
and they just started it, I think like a week or two ago. So that's another great way. If you, you know, want to support women, you have a way to do that now. And that was typically something that had been reserved for people who were angel investors or venture capitalists who were trying to, you know, essentially privately invest in a woman run company. But now you don't have to have all that money to be able to do it. You can do that with just a couple hundred dollars or a couple thousand dollars. And so it's really made it more accessible to everybody within the marketplace, which is great. That's amazing. And even as soon as you said impact investing, I was like, oh, that sounds like something I want to do. I don't even know what it means yet that I want to do it. Because who doesn't want to have an impact, right? And to be able to support businesses that kind of align with their values and what's important to them and their priorities too. So it's Mm -hmm. almost like a way of, I don't want to say giving back, but you know, it is a way of supporting organizations and, and companies while you're still building that same portfolio investment for your own future too. Yep, absolutely. You can align your values with your investments. And it really hasn't proven to be a detriment to the performance. Because like I mentioned, a lot of these companies who are more responsible in their business practices, they have better profits for that very reason. Because they aren't having as many employee accidents. Or they have, like I said, more women on their board. So therefore, the risks that they're taking on are different and their companies are performing better. So it's really it's not a detriment. You know, if you talk with a financial advisor who will be able to guide you to, you know, how much of your portfolio could be aligned while keeping, you know, the return that you want in mind so that you're hitting your goals. I mean, that's absolutely one of the best ways to start is to realize how many options you have and, you know, starting to talk with a financial advisor about it. So if someone doesn't yet have a financial advisor, like how would they go about finding someone that they could trust that they, cause that's the other piece that's kind of intimidating, you know, as we talked about these three tips, which are amazing, but like, you know, so much of it, I think hinges on like the relationship that you have with a financial advisor and how do you know who to talk to, who to choose? Yeah, that's a great question because what I didn't realize before I entered the financial services industry was how many different types of financial companies there are. So I worked for what was called a brokerage or a wirehouse, and they charge a whole set of fees that are potentially in addition to charging you for a financial plan. You can also work with somebody who just charges you one time for a financial plan and you can go implement it yourself. So there are lots of different types of financial advisors. And like I said, I mean, a lot of the conversation has centered around the fees that they're charging for managing your money. But what I would recommend is finding a certified financial planner. So somebody who has the CFP designation behind their name. And I can also put in the show notes a link to finding, being able to search for the CFP at your local level. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. It's easy to find a a CFP professional. Like I said, it's becoming the industry standard. It's like getting your MBA for financial planning. That would be my recommendation. That's really, really great. This has been such an enlightening and empowering conversation for me. I know I am like really excited and motivated to go out and actually do something with my finance. Yeah. (laughs) Like I even, I hate to even say this to you. I was like, I'm not even going to admit this to her, but I think I will now. 
I haven't even rolled over my last 401k for my last job. That happens. <laughs> oh my gosh. I really need some help. So this is so good. Thank you so much. So just to review. So your, your first tip that you had for us was really understanding your risk tolerance for investing, which I think is such a great foundation just to always better understand yourself, but especially before you go into this world crazy world of investing. And then number two, learning about the investment opportunities that align with that risk. And mm-hmm. number three, really finding out ways that you can align that investment opportunity with your values and the things that matter most to you. So this has all been incredibly helpful for us. Any last tips that you have for our audience? You know, I would just say, like I had mentioned before, there are no silly questions. When you go into a meeting with a financial advisor, don't be afraid to ask them to just stop, stop them right at the point you don't understand what they're saying and say, can you break that down just a little further for me? And they should be happy to do that, especially if they're a CFP. Mm, That's so great. That's so great. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. So if people want to learn more about you and everything that is that you're doing, because you are providing really great support for women out there. So how can people learn more about you? No, thank you. Like I said, I'm a blogger and you can find me at It's suzy.com. It's a little take on Susie Homemaker, but I really think that Susie Homemaker is a stereotype and we should break that. So check me out. I love it. Absolutely. So everyone go and follow her and follow her on Instagram too. She's got a great Instagram feed. Yes, I'm always on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's important that, you know, where we are socially, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, we surround ourselves with people who are going to remind us of the things that we want to do. So definitely go follow Modern Susie, right? It's Modern Susie on Instagram. Yep. Yep. Modern Susie on Instagram. Yep. That way you can see her in your feed and remind you all the time that you can be empowered to do this. So thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing so much wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me. There you go. I hope that you found this information useful. And most importantly, I hope that you take something and put it into action. I mean, you know, God has really called us to be good stewards of everything that he has given us. And the Bible is full of so many verses that speak to us about our finances So rather than give you a Bible verse for this episode, which is what we typically do, I would just encourage you to take some time in prayer and just ask God what he would have you do with your finances. You know, everyone is in a different financial place. And I think the time that you can really spend with him and looking for his guidance and then be obedient to what he's calling you to do is truly the key. Well, guys, we have so much great content coming for you over the course of the next couple weeks, including fan favorite for the 4th of July. So make sure that you are part of our Facebook community. If you're not already, you can go to yourliferocks.com and just click on the community button or you can search us on up in Facebook and we should pop right up. Or we'll also be taking some votes over on Instagram. So you can find us and follow us by going to your.life.rocks. And when you do, if you're over on Instagram, again, just take a screenshot. I am just always so curious on who is listening. And I always love it when I come across someone who's taken a screenshot and shared it with everyone that they're following, either in their feed or in their Insta story. One, it makes me super happy when I am talking into this microphone, sometimes wondering, does anyone even hear me? (laughs) So it is great to see that, but it's always so interesting just to see you who is listening on the other side of those earbuds. So that would really mean the world to me if you would do that. And if you haven't done so, hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our future upcoming episodes. And until then, keep building a life that rocks. Bye.